you know, empowering a, a team member is just, just a win-win. It's, it's symbiotic. Um, I feel that, that whenever we have a care plan meeting, we need that, that personal caregiver, the person that works one-to-one with them, or the team lead in the home if it's a 24-hour client. They need to be at that table. There's so many times in, in, when I, in my days of working in a nursing facility during our staff meetings that none of the aides were at the table. They were the ones that bathed, dressed, changed, took blood pressures, fed, assisted the residents, not the DON. So we have them on the phone, we have them on a Zoom meeting. Um, they're empowered to, to give me suggestions. How can we and how can we better take care of this? We are looking forward our way. We're in Studio C in the 511 Studios in the Brewery District, south of downtown Columbus, Ohio. This is Brett, and with me, as always, is Carol. We've got a really good program today focusing on the issues and positive outcomes of senior home care. Brett, this is an incredible conversation we are going to have, and it is a subject that is really near and dear to my heart, as I was a caregiver for my dad and contracted with a local home health care agency here in Columbus. Um, They were literally our lifesavers. The issue is growing in our community and across the country because it's been proven that seniors live longer and better, healthier lives when they're able to stay at home um, and with just a little bit of assistance. So, you know, how do we ensure that successful outcome? Right. Our guest today is Kathleen Carmody. She is the owner of Senior Matters Home Health Care and Consulting. She comes to us with years of experience in the home health care field. She began Senior Matters in 2013, uh, seems like a lifetime ago now, with everything in the last couple of years, and was the community relations representative for a nationally based home health care organization for several years. Kathleen's going to give us information on not just the advantages of home care, but her perspective on the importance of the caregiver industry its complexities of finding and retaining qualified staff as well. Kathleen, thanks for joining us today. Thank you, uh, Carol and Brett. Really glad to be here. I appreciate you having me on today. All right. Kathleen, let's first talk about your background. Your educational training is in social work from the Ohio State University. Brett always gets tired of me talking about, you know, my my network, my colleagues, my classmates, <laughs> everybody else that I know in town. Um, but we want to hear about your journey to the aging community and the healthcare industry. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, you know, my journey into aging um, just you know, wasn't necessarily planned. It's just the way life took me. Our grandmother, who came over from Ireland, lived with us when we were growing up and um, with eight brothers and sisters. And I was, we were all very close to her. And I, I just, I just revered her. I cared for her and I learned from her. She lived with us up until she was 96. And then she announced to us one day that it was time for her to go to the home. <laughs> the home? And, yes. And uh, to the home she went. But that's where it really started. Um, from there, I, I really started with Columbus Parks and Rec at the um, old Barbara, Lee Rosa, Barbara Rosalie Senior Center mm-hmm. in Clintonville. Yeah, was my first um, job with seniors. And I was a volunteer coordinator in the community and um, just got to know the seniors and learned so much in those basics from 
you know, earlier, early retired seniors to, you know, we would have seniors there for several years and I'd see maybe a decline in them. Um, but that gave me a great insight into, um, you know, how it all works. And then um, moved on after that to activities director in a nursing home um, and sales and marketing. And, you know, I found over the years that after doing all those positions, especially um, I was doing sales and marketing for a, a, a franchise, and I found that in, in my case the concern was not necessarily the client, but how much business was coming into the company. And I found that we were not filling the void of what seniors really needed to remain in their homes. Um, for example, we had a, um, a client when we early started, when I early started Senior Matters. They lived in one of the suburbs, and the wife had called me and reached me, and I think we were about the fourth business she reached. All they needed was someone to come over on Sunday mornings and help the husband down the stairs outside and then get him in a wheelchair, get him into the car. We put the wheelchair in the trunk. The wife drove to work. I'm sorry, drove to church. And then from there, someone at church helped them and then did the reverse, and we helped them out when they came home. And it was that easy. We were there for probably 15 minutes in the beginning, 15 minutes when they got home. But that developed our relationship with them, and that's really, to the very end, that's all they ever needed us for. But to me, that's really what it's about. Um, if you can't get out of your home um, and to your appointments and such, how are you going to be able to live at home? Right. So as a, as a non-franchise, I was able to kind of build that model, and that's what we continue to do today for our clients. Well, and I think, too, that I've heard more and more folks who have are sort of new to the aging industries always comment that their assumptions on what seniors needed were not even any place close to what they actually needed. And Very true. They, so it, it really is um, where people who are, people can't go into a senior industry, you know, healthcare or um, even equipment without really doing their homework. They, they need to understand it much better and not just pop in thinking it's the up and coming place to be. Yeah, and that's a, that's a great point, Carol, because it's such a growing industry that, mm-hmm. um, you know, people are just purchasing franchises, and that's wonderful. Um, there, there's room for everyone. But, you know, yeah, if you don't have a basic understanding of what it means, and from not just a dollar and cents point of view, but this truly, for Senior Matters at least, is a business from the heart. Um I will never be accused of being a wonderful business person, but um, I will be known to, you know, really take care of the elderly mm-hmm. in, a, in a great way. Right. Um, and I think that's important, too. There's things, it's interesting, when we first meet with a family, they might say, well, I don't know what you'll do. You know, a dad doesn't really mean that much. Well, believe me, we really work into it and start working on all kinds of different projects and we bond with them. Um, You know, for example, we have a new client we started with in one of the suburbs in Grandview. 
and we're taking him to church, morning church, every day that we're there. He hasn't been able to do that in two years. Wow. Um, just those types of things that bring some quality of life, um, you know, their daily routine, that he's been a daily mass goer for years. Right. So we're, right. we're able to do that. Wonderful. Nice. Well, you know, many employers are having difficulty finding workers for their organizations in today's economy, restaurants, factories, uh, delivery drivers, office support. Uh, But however, (laughs) that's not a new problem for caregiving companies. Uh, Can you give us an overview of the difficulty in recruiting and retaining of those qualified workers? Um, Yes, Brett. You know, we all know now that that hiring is just very difficult for any business from from uh, you know, top up to top down, very difficult. Um, and certainly we are included in that. As I mentioned earlier, I think that we're all competing to hire the same pool of qualified people. Um, we're also competing with, with, within our own industry, but also our um, pool of people are also attracted to maybe light manufacturing or um, Amazon type of work. So, you know, without a, an amazing team of caregivers, you just don't have a home care company. That's it. And our core staff has been with us for at least six years. Um, I have such a dedicated administrative staff as well. Brian is our community outreach and PR person. He's just fantastic and understands the aging process. Um Alexis, our office manager, was my actual first hire years ago, and now she she runs the office, and she learned from from ground up. And um, you know, and Mary is our hiring manager. Mary probably has the most difficult job right now. Um, we've been fortunate over the years, and this continues to be able to hire from some sort of circle of my life or my my office administration team's life. I grew up in um, the Columbus suburb and large family, Catholic schools, and and it tends, our referrals tend to come from the people we know. And then it spreads out a little bit more for word of mouth. That goes the same as for our hiring. Um, I'll get calls from, um, you know, maybe a friend of mine who's daughter is in nursing school um, that I've known for years and years. So we've really been fortunate to hire from personal connections. The other way that we hire is um, civic groups. We're currently working with the Clintonville Rotary. That is a great way to have some um, people coming in to us that might be interested in part-time care, part-time work word of mouth, again, from peers and their friends and their kids. We certainly use social media, um, social media platforms, whether it's Facebook or we are uh, on Indeed, all of those we use. But I would say mainly to recruit, it's word of mouth. That, um, that's interesting, Kathleen, because, you know, everybody is thinking that you the way to find a job is just basically, you know, go on Indeed or some some website and fill out the application online but it for the flip side of that then job seekers need to know we use your network use your network use your network without a doubt using using the network is i would say probably 
90% of our hires are through a network. Okay. Um, employees referring other uh, other friends of theirs to us. And we have a, a, a really great referral program as well. If one of our employees sends us someone and we hire them, um, it's a win-win for both of them. So that's another way that we're able to do it. Um, retaining is, is, is just as challenging. Um, I think that is because so many caregivers work multiple jobs. Um, and if they have 40 hours with us and they, they still need another, you know, 30, 40 hours a week sometimes. So they're working for multiple companies. So it's a matter of who gets to them first. We have a system where we um, text out open shifts so anyone can see those and pick them up. But so does, you know, the other company that they're working for. Right. Um, maybe in school. So change, schedules change constantly. That's part of our juggling. So maybe um, a caregiver was available full-time Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, and now she um, went back to school. That mm-hmm. completely changed. Mm-hmm. So retaining, the best way for us to retain and what we have found is um, certainly salary is, is the number one indication of how we can retain respect on our part, listening to our employees, really, really listening, bringing them to the table. What do they need in the field? Um, so that is really what we need to do for them because, again, without good employees, we don't have a company. Right. I can remember um, when we had contracted for taking care of my dad, we were a 24-7 client. And so they actually gave us priority. So if I called and said, can you send me so-and-so tomorrow? You know, usually they would juggle the schedules so that I got the person I wanted. Um, But if I wasn't a 24-7 client, they would not have been able to do that or willing to do that for me. So um, it not too many people could be a 24-7 client, though. I mean, it's so terribly expensive. Yes. And, and, and two points there. Um, and I always tell our clients, you know, we'll get a call from, let's say, an adult child, usually the daughter, saying, well, um, my dad just needs two hours one day a week. And we absolutely do our best to try to fill that. And what I would try in that case is to combine it with another client nearby and have one caregiver do both cases. Not always possible. Um, but again, we want to strive to be able to do those things because again, no job is too small. It might be difficult to try to do, but we, we do try that. Um, with the more hours you have and like the 24 sevens, yes, you're going to have a more, um, you're going to have a regular schedule. You're going to have regular caregivers. You're going to know who's coming in every day. Um, so you do have more consistent, the more hours you have, the more consistency. If we're one day a week, you're, you know, we do our best to give you consistency, but you might have a different person every week. Right, right. Well, we've talked a little bit about um, the issues of salary, and, um, you know, folks think these workers are paid a ton of money, and that's certainly not the truth. Um, but there are other benefits that you've, and you've talked about a little bit of them. How do those other benefits also help you in retaining your your staffing 
um, and maybe even help retain clients because the staff are are satisfied. Definitely. Um, you know, that's part of part of our um, job is to do the scheduling and and you know, it's interesting because usually the client just falls in love with the first person that comes through the door. They just click. Oh, that's true. Because that's okay. their first experience. And right. you know, we've got a great, so that usually happens. Then if you have to move that person, or let's say they're just two days a week, but they want the same caregiver, then, you know, everyone wants their same person. Mm-hmm. So, again, there's that consistency issue with ours. But retaining them, retaining clients and retaining our home care workers we want to give our employees and our team members the, the consistency as well. You know, they don't want to be going to a different home every day either. True. So we really strive to give the, our employees a very consistent schedule so they can get to know their clients. They really end up working well together. And, you know, we're not, we're not a, a traveling nurse agency. We're not set up that way. So we want that consistency and our employees want that. So that's part of our, our re, we're able to retain them a little better, keeping with that consistency. With the, we're able to that's retain. a great point. That's a great point. Uh, I hadn't really thought about that when, when I had my dad, but yeah, we had um, a, a small group. There were probably three, four, maybe five people at a time we were working with and to, to take care of that 24-7 um, schedule. And it was so much easier when he knew who to expect was coming. And there, it wasn't this huge um, change for him, let alone for the caregiver. And for the family. You right. know, for the family to have to get used to someone new each time is very difficult for the family, not just the client, but, but the family. Right. You know, they, they feel like they may have to explain everything through the whole home again. Right. Um, although we, one thing we do is I have a call with each employee before they go into a new client. So they're not just going in blind. I, they read about the client in our, in our system, but I also have a, a personal conversation with them about their likes, their dislikes, their, what they did for, for a career, things like that. So when they do go in, the family, the family knows they've been very well briefed. So mm-hmm. there's kind of put them at ease a little bit more. Um, and, and those types of things really do help retain employees where we are em- empowering them really to be the lead on that case. They're right. in the home. They see what's going on. Um, they need a seat at the table. I trust them they send a report. This is really interesting what we do. At the end of each shift, um, they send me a report of their shift. Mm-hmm. Now, we also obviously keep a notebook in the home with very detailed notes. But I want to know, after each shift, how was Mr. Smith's day? Mm-hmm. Were there any changes? So I rely on them to keep me up to date with their, their professional training. If they notice a lower blood pressure or... They seem a little a little blue for a couple of days. We really rely on them for that and empower them, and I think that helps 
um, build a strong team as well. Right. Well, you came, you came up with some kind of ingenious um, benefits for your staff also during um, the pandemic, um, really making sure that their issues that they had to, um, the challenges they had to meet so that they could still be a caregiver, things like transportation. Yes, yes. We, we did have to get creative. And we had some of those pre-COVID, actually, um, but they really, <laughs> they really were very helpful, you know, as, as, as it all hit. Um, we set up child care. Um, we knew we needed a backup when, when COVID really hit with schools closing and daycare, and so many of our employees have young children. So if the daycare was closing, how was our caregiver going to get to work? Right. So we implemented daycare with volunteer um, volunteer sitters. Um, we had kids that were home from college that I knew from a personal level, uh, you know, very well from my walk of life, that we developed a little team of um, daycare babysitters that would watch our employees' children so they could go to work. Because, you know, bottom line, if, if the caregivers couldn't go to work, there's no paycheck. Right. And, you know, it's just not going to work. Um, we also paid our members if they were off work, if they were ill, or if their client was ill, we were still paying them um, because it's a pandemic. They, You know, how are they going to survive? So we really, um, you know, it was difficult year financially, but we were able to do these things to retain our employees. Wonderful. Um, we had weekly Zoom check-ins with our, our folks um, as a group. You know, how are you guys feeling this week? This is really stressful. What can we bring to you that would be helpful? Um, you know, emotionally and, and, you know, even even tools. Even, you know, okay, we'll bring over some more Clorox wipes or, you know, we drop off a Starbucks outside the front door for them. Things like that just to keep everybody going. Um, we have Uber account, an Uber account for our employees if they have car trouble or the weather's nasty, things like that, and um, flat tires, just to be prepared, and those really help. Uh, somebody's car is in the in the shop for a week or a couple of days, and, well, we've got a, a mode of transportation to and from work for you. And a lot of times, you know, office staff will go pick them up. Things happen, and we're, we're not like, you know, going to be down one cashier at the checkout line. This is you know, we have to be at work. So we've tried to implement those things that are going to really help our, our team succeed right. and keep us going. Well, and, and I know from my own experience, I always said that the absolute number one top priority was my dad's safety. And if the caregiver's not there, he's not safe. So it was Absolutely. it was pretty pretty clear uh, path that we were following. Yeah, we've got, you know, numerous previous episodes talking about jobs and interview skills and such. And, and from those, you know, we know and found that, you know, there's, there's a disconnect between applicants and the skills needed for jobs in today's economy. Can you talk about the type of training that you view as most helpful in the caregiving industry and how and where do workers get that training? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's really important. Um, to have a well-trained team is um, invaluable. Um, you know, we do everything from end of life care to companion care. And the best training that 
what I look for in, in, in a, a great team member and in hiring is someone that has actually nursing home experience, has worked in a facility. Um, I'm a strong believer that if you've worked in a facility, you will know, you'll be very well trained for one. It may be on the job training, but you, you can work under fire and um, get things done. Um, you're used to working short staffed. So when you go work one to one, it's just, it's almost a breath of fresh air. But usually folks that come to us from a facility are ready for that one to one change. They usually have, well, most times, STNA training. They've completed that training. So that is really valuable to us, um, and we look for that when we hire. Full, you know, full care experience gives them more opportunity as well. If you have, you know, you know how to operate a Hoyer lift and you've done end-of-life care, you can work with any client. Mm -hmm. But if you only have just companion care skills, you can't necessarily work with, you know, someone that needs more, more care. So the better trained they are, the more opportunity they have. Um, so we always do look for, for STNA or CNA trained. But also, on the other hand, someone that comes to us that has personal experience of taking care of a loved one at home um, sometimes weighs just as much as that skilled nursing facility experience. So we look at all of those different things that come to us and, and the skills that they bring. Right. You know, one of the things that sort of hit me when we were pulling together our program for, for today is that, um, and I saw this when I was had caregivers taking care of my dad. You mentioned a nursing student gets STNA training, and then they go on to nursing. Um, but do you see it the opposite way? Someone who's been a nurse for a long time and who wants to pull back a little bit then goes into this field? Yes, and, and you know, that's really interesting because I've seen that increase over the years. In the last 10 years, we tend to have, oh, probably at any given time, we'll have one or two retired RNs or LPNs. Um, a, a lot of that is that maybe they've really cut back at work, but they still want to be involved with the elderly. They want the flexibility of working when they want. Um, we really do see that. And I love when we have that because they're, they're, they're really well trained and really we get great input from them when they're with our clients because of how well trained they are. Um, and we find that they really, when we get that level of um, an employee, I would say in general it's because they want to still stay in the field um, but on their kind of schedule. So we do see that a lot. We, we had um, a nursing student that came to us who had had her, um, she, she went and started, got her STNA on her own. Then she came to us. She worked with us through college and then through med school. And now she's a doctor. We have so wow. many students yeah. or so many employees that go on to graduate nursing school as well. And we're always really, really happy to be, we've been invited to graduations and it's just really great to be able to support them through their schooling and then also, again, on the opposite end where they come back and can bring, teach us things. Right. You know, we have a right. nurse that's, you know, nurse for 40 years. My goodness, we're going to get great value 
and experience and knowledge from them as well. But also, what great training for a young medical student to have actually done STNA work. Absolutely. Not just to know what the clients and their patients are going to need, but also how to deal with all of the issues that nurses have in hospitals and, and all the other staff that take care of patients in hospitals, boy, they, got a, they have a ringside seat on what the issues are. It's wonderful. And, and, you know, I've always said that before anyone should start nursing school, they should do facility work or home care. You'd be surprised the number of nursing students that don't know how to do a bed bath. Mm-hmm. Um, they're just not taught that. Um, and you know, it, it just is interesting because when we've had some of our nursing students come to us, we've had to train them on those really basic things like how to use a gate belt. Um, so it, it's, it's interesting that maybe they, they jump ahead to that, but a prerequisite for nursing school is not to be an STNA, which I kind of think it should be, but, you mm-hmm. know. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. Yes. Yeah, you mentioned uh, in some conversations we had before recording uh, that your belief that every employee should be empowered to do their job. I mean, this would seem to be a good policy in every company, but tell us why it's so important in the caregiving industry. Sure. Um, you know, empowering a, a team member is just, just a win-win. Um, you know, it's, it's symbiotic. Um, I feel that, that whenever we have a care plan meeting, we need that that personal caregiver, the person that works one-to-one with them, or the team lead in the home if it's a 24-hour client, they need to be at that table. Um, there's so many times in, in, when I, in my days of working in a nursing facility during our staff meetings that none of the aides were at the table. They were the ones that bathed, dressed, changed, took blood pressures, fed, assisted the resident, not the DON. So we have them you know, on the phone, we have them on a Zoom meeting. Um, they're empowered to to give me suggestions. How can we, and how can we better take care of this? Um, you know, hearing sometimes we 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 hear a, a, you know employee in a home. Oh, she's just the nurse's aide. Oh boy, that is so shameful. Almost um, these are frontline hands-on people that are taking mm-hmm. care of your loved ones, right. and, and we work very hard to elevate them um, in this profession. And communication with our team is just crucial. You know, what are they seeing in the homes? Um, a lot of times, you know, it's not just the client and their health, but the dynamics. Oh, my goodness, you know, the dynamics of maybe, you know, we're not in every home isn't just wonderful there's a lot of dynamics with adult children and a lot of times our caregivers get pulled into that situation and then they'll come to me and i might have to go talk to the family and say you know really need to keep the caregiver out of the family dynamics right so you know there's touchy situations there right well you know kathleen for years i worked with uh, mature job seekers and regardless of what job they were applying for i always told them that it was their responsibility to become the best candidate they could be, to let the employer know, you know, all about what their skills are. They needed to be prepared with a good resume, um, have hone their interviewing skills, just be able to to communicate with an employer that they really were the best candidate. But today, employers are having 
applicants ghost them in an interview or even no show for work? You know, what is your advice to those who are interested in working as a caregiver, STNA companion? What what do you see as the best candidate? Um, you know, it's interesting because in the interview process, um, number one, we, we the follow-up could always be better from our candidates. Um, again, because they're, you know, it, it's not like they're, you know, applying for a CEO of a Fortune 500. This is a quick turnover. Um, part of what we see is the communication back and forth. We'll get a resume, then we'll call and try to reach out to them. Maybe they don't have a voicemail set up um, or the voicemail is full. So those are issues we run into in trying to, to, to grab someone to, to, for an interview that we think looks good. So it's follow through on their end and, and returning phone calls in a timely manner so we can reach them. Um, you know, the amount of back and forth that we do to even get to the interview process is, is very, very time-consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if we, we've looked at this before, and if, let's say, we get 20 resumes, if we get two hires out of that, that's that's good. Right. And if those two hires are with us six months later, that's really good. Wow. Um, you know, we offer webinars. We offer CEUs. Um, there's always training available, and we really encourage and offer that. Um, we use a system called um, Care Academy, which is just phenomenal. It was developed by a um, caregiver, and she went on into the business world and developed this Care Academy online training program that we use. And it's just phenomenal. It has wonderful, timely topics, and we offer that paid training um, that we have to do a module every month. So I think that the ghosting issue and all of that, it, it's definitely a, a two-way street that we have a, a really good package to offer someone in the field um, if if they follow through on what they're doing, too. Right, um, right. Especially during the pandemic with you know, most of our employees, I wouldn't say most, but a good portion of our employees are, are single mothers, um, maybe working multiple jobs and going to school. So it's almost as if whoever gets to the potential client or potential employee first and gets them onboarded and gets them scheduled is going to get them. Right. And so it doesn't... And it doesn't matter that you've tried getting a hold of them four or five times, but if they just by chance pick up their phone when the other person calls, then you may have lost them. Absolutely. <laughs> one, one, of, one of the things I tell my young cousin, who are just an incredible group of young people, but I always say to them, do not give out an email address if you do not plan on reading the email. <laughs> it just doesn't make any Absolutely. sense. Absolutely. Yes. And, 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 to that point, Carol, also is we just um, again and again and again go over to, with our, our team members, leave a voicemail. If you're calling me, Alexis, Brian, Mary, please just leave a voicemail so when we call you back, we can have an answer for you. Because everybody in our, our Senior Matters Home Health Care world daily is 
in the office, we're on the phone constantly um, doing this or changing that, you know, managing the business. Um, and the employees are at school, in between multiple jobs, things mm-hmm. like that. Right. So we right. really, I bet daily, we're reminding someone, please leave a voicemail when you call. It's such a time saver. And it's just so interesting because I know from, I, it sounds, I feel old saying it, but young people don't leave voicemails anymore. It, it is kind <laughs> so of weird. They, it, hey, they don't like listening to their voices, do they? I don't know what it is, but it's just, you know, it's something we just preach. And, um, you know, because then we can just call them back and answer their questions. Otherwise, you're just tagging all day. So those are some of the things that um, before interviewing, um, we really try to get through to our uh, potential uh, candidates. Right. Well, families also need to do their homework when, when hiring an agency or an individual caregiver. Uh, they need to ask all those appropriate questions and receive some solid answers. Again, with time limitations, depending on how fast they need to move to, you know, get that help for the family uh, uh, member. Uh, the consequences of not making that right decision could put their loved one in some danger. Uh, and the crucial question, of course, can a family afford such care? What are some suggestions? What are some good questions that you would um, suggest, you know, maybe a top three, top five that's just you need to ask these to really, you know, get the conversation going. Um, yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, usually we are needed yesterday. Um, you know, uh, no one plans ahead for home health care. That, that's my, I, I would say, number one, if you've got an aging parent or aging loved one and you've had issues in the last six months with, uh, you know, back and forth to the hospital or, or falls, You know, I don't know how many times I hear, oh, he fell again yesterday. Well, yeah, he fell again, but we just called the squad. That is not a normal part of aging, and it should not be acceptable. Um, You know, start early. I would suggest you interview at least two companies that you find um, referrals from, maybe from someone you know or, you know, you can go online. Um, Usually you'll be able to find someone you know in your circle that would give you the name of a couple home care companies. Call them, ask questions, have them come out and sit down with you. Um, know the contract. We all have contracts because at the end of the day, we really are a business. Know the policy of the company. There's certain things that, you know, are not permitted. Um, you can't hire away a caregiver. Um, gift giving, um, senior matters will not permit the family to give gifts without a, a discussion. Um, with me. You know, sometimes they, they want to give Christmas gifts or, you know, a thank you thing, but that needs to be discussed. Um, if, you know, a, a client with, with dementia could give away, you know, oh, I want you to have this teacup. Um, I loved it and I want you to have it because you take care of me and you're a wonderful person. Well, if, if a caregiver takes that, then the daughter could come in the next day, oh my goodness, where's that teacup? It's been in our family for generations. So, there's usually reasons for all these things. So know your contract. What are the cancellation policies? Um, what's expected of you as a client, and what can you expect from your home care company? And what are our responsibilities and expectations on, on both sides of that? So it's really important to read through that contract, ask questions, and understand it at a time when you're probably really in some type of a, a crisis mode, but you need to take that time. Right. Um, Affording the care, yes, number one question. Um, 
and, and a very difficult one um, on my end because, again, not the greatest businesswoman in the world. And I understand when, you know, when, when they're, they just, you know, oh, how are we going to afford this? Um, the number one way is private pay. That's about 95%, maybe even 97% of our clients, private pay. In-home care, non-skilled, is not covered by any insurance or Medicare, um, which most people do not know. They're not right. aware of that. Right. It's a big surprise. Um, the second way um, I'm seeing more and more over the last probably four years, maybe five years, of clients having long-term care benefits, which are lifesavers. Each long-term care benefit is different. Every company is different. Some are better than others. Um, usually there's a 90-day waiting period. That can be very tricky. So, you know, 90 days you're out of pocket. And if that's 90 days, 24 hours a day, that can be detrimental to anyone's budget. That's why if you have a long-term care policy, you may want to think about, um, you know, starting early. Get your policy put in place for a couple days a week and, and work down those 90 days. And then maybe when you, you know, as things progress, you you'll, you'll, will have met that. Um, a third one is a VA benefit, aid in attendance. Um, that is for someone that um, really does not have the financial means. You, I think it's up to 80000 in um, assets now, including a home. So that's one that a lot of people don't know about, but can be up to, the benefit is up to 2500 a month. Um, but that's, it, it is a great benefit, but it's, it's very cumbersome to do the paperwork and, and it takes quite a while, but it's retroactive and, and that's a good one. The fourth one now that we're seeing a lot more of is adult children are funding mom and dad's home care. Um, we're living longer. Mom and dad are outliving their money. So adult children are kicking in and, um, and helping. And we see, we actually see quite a bit of that. Uh, those are those are about the four ways to, to pay for it. Um, it. You know, that's what we're seeing these days. You know, Kathleen, that those are all great points. I want to kind of reiterate a couple of things here that you said that I think our listeners need to hear. The chances are pretty good this is going to kick in for you in the middle of a crisis. Few people plan ahead. And I know it seems strange, but just like... We uh, just posted a podcast about wills and estates and how people don't like to talk about end of life. This is the steps before end of life, and you really kind of need to get that under control. The way I found our caregivers is through word of mouth. And so, again, that network pays a, plays a huge role. Um, I got information from a trusted friend who put me onto this particular group, and they were phenomenal. Um but the, the other part of that, too, is um, you, you've got to do your own research. I was very lucky that we had a neighbor who was a caregiver for children who were medically critical and just had a conversation with her and talked about different things, even like where do you go buy items that you need, um, those kinds of things. And, and so to our listeners – um, don't wait for the crisis to happen. 
to have some of this information in the in your back pocket, you can pull it out and then really go gung ho if something would happen if if you have an older relative, parents, grandparents to take care of. So, um, thank you for all those good points. That was wonderful. Um, you ha- you've given us so much food for thought today, and. Before we end, do you have any other um, last-minute words of wisdom for our listeners, suggestions, resources on how they can start their own journey of choosing in-home care for their loved one? Um, you know, it's it's such an industry where it's very bittersweet. I mean, we get to know these, our, our elders, and really bond with them, but at the same time, you know, we see the family struggling. Um, so it's, you know, whenever we're called, it's not like anyone is really super thrilled to see Senior Matters coming through their door because, you know, it, it's what it notates. But it's, a lot of times in life it's absolutely necessary, and it's a great alternative to remain at home. Um, again, as we just said, really do plan ahead. Um, we'll come out and sit down and meet with you and, and get you in our system, and then if you need us, we're there. Um, you good, know, po- good point. So they can they can part of the research is not just having your name to actually have conversation. Okay, absolutely, sure. Because today with the staff shortage, um, if you call and, and you know we go out and meet with you, we'll get get our cases open as quickly as we can. But it's certainly not like it was before the pandemic. So you really do want to have um, more than just a conversation or a phone number with a company. I would really recommend that you have a company come out and sit down and meet with you. Um, Maybe you have the paperwork, but you don't need to sign a contract yet. Be ready to go. Mm -hmm. If you're discharging from the hospital and you're bringing your loved one home, you literally can have hours of notice. Um, So from the time you're discharged from the time you know you're being discharged until the time you have to take your loved one home. So have that ready to go. Um, Because, again, with the the, um, staffing shortage, that's the new reality. Um, And, you know, it is so very stressful. And I'm going through this personally right now with our father. And (laughs) it's I'm, I'm, I'm a daughter right now, you know. Mm-hmm. Going through the same right. stresses I see our other family members going through, even though I do this for a, a, a career. Um, enjoy the time with your loved one. Really try to enjoy that. If if your loved one doesn't um, finish their meal, it's okay, you know. Um, if mom doesn't eat her two eggs that she's had with her toast and coffee for 40 years, it's okay, um, you know. Our, our parents don't want to be nagged, like, like you know, they don't know what's going on or that they don't know how to eat properly or no nutrition. Just try to enjoy the time with them. That's where, with home care, that's another benefit. We're there for those types of things, so it allows a family member to really focus on the relationship with their loved one. Right. And we're the ones that can do that for you. We're, we're very often the middleman. Um, and, and that way it takes pressure off of both of you. We end up being sounding boards for the client and the family. Right. So really take the time to try to enjoy that time you have with your parent that raised you and, you know, all of that. Um, it's just an amazing 
journey to learn from these folks, and they deserve every bit of respect and, um, and, and you know, for them to not be stressed as well. That That's such a good point when you, you said they don't want to be nagged. I guess my word of wisdom is um, I am not underestimating the, the issues of child care, but senior care and child care are two different things. Um, you can kind of herd a bunch of little kids, but you cannot herd an adult in your care. And you have to, they, they haven't suddenly become a child just because you're having to help them. So Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that is just, in my mind, that is disrespectful. Um, these are people that built our churches, our schools, our hospitals, our teachers, our firefighters, um, that, that built all that we have today. These were you know, the pillars of our communities. And we need to respect them that way. Just because you're you're 89 doesn't mean you don't know how to check your bank balance or um, make decisions. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Well, it, and to one last thing, I want to give a shout out to Brian from your office. He is always such so helpful, helped us put, uh, get all of us this together for us to do our podcast with you today. So I just wanted to thank him. Yes, we are so thrilled to have Brian with us, and he is just um, just so valuable to us, guiding us and um, pushing our our um, you know our our agenda of empowering our employees forward. Good for him. That's great. Super. Well, hey, thanks for being with us today. Uh, we, we appreciate that we got connected up, especially with um, uh, the, the polls that you have going on. So that's, uh, thank you for giving us this hour <laughs> to do this. This has been good. This has been good. And, and listener- Thank you so much. I'm really um, grateful to be able to share about what we do and, um, and appreciate what you all do as well. Sure. Hey, and we'll have some resources available uh, for listeners uh, on our website, and we hope you enjoy this episode and other episodes coming up for Looking Forward Our Way.